Barbecue's our passion, and that's just what you'll get where the Kim Burns is a barbecuer. Tales from the pits. Howdy, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And today we have with us... Mike Mingna. James McFarland. And we are here today at Reveille Barbecue out in... Uh, would you guys call yourselves in Magnolia? Yes, sir. That's, that's the, the side you associate with. You got Magnolia and Tomball, and you got to kind of associate with one of the two, right? Um, yes. So, yes, Magnolia, Texas. Yes, yeah, since we're a little bit closer to Magnolia, we're about two miles uh, north, south of uh, Magnolia. We'll affiliate ourselves with Magnolia. So. Magnolia is a town of a, probably about 1,200, 1,400 people, something like that. A little northwest of Houston, um, not far from the Texas Renfest for anybody that's been down that way. Um, Andrew, anything you want to, you, you came out here for the first time a little bit earlier today. Yeah, this is my first trip out here. Brian's been out here a couple of times now because uh, Brian is lucky and this place is only a couple of miles from his house. A um, little further drive for me, but uh, not a bad drive and especially not on a you know Saturday or Sunday afternoon, which is you know the hours that you guys are open right now. Uh, obviously, there are plans for more hours and more availability in the future, but you guys are just getting your feet under you. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about what's on the Reveille barbecue menu right now. What are what are you guys kind of honing in on? And I know I'm sure the menu will grow and evolve as time goes on. But what's what's on the menu for Reveille as as it stands down? Okay, so so far we're with meat. We're trying to do all the primaries. Um, Big Texas, you know, brisket, obviously king of king of meats. But we're doing uh, pork ribs, beef ribs, uh, chicken and turkey, and of course sausage. Um, and that sausage is house made? <coughs> not yet, no. Oh, but we God. will. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> we're hoping to have a sausage program up, um, you know, by October is, is a good target date. Awesome. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely be getting into that on this episode about the, the sausage making process. And I know you guys are uh, big proponents of making your own sausage. Absolutely. And, and that's going to be uh, part of the future of Reveille. And we're really interested to get, to get further into that because, you know, if you listen to the show, you know Brian and I are geeks about, you know, creative you guys sausages make amazing and stuff man you guys, you guys you. know yeah yeah these guys had our sausage today yeah. so that was um not was not a lot of places have had it chicken and cheese enchilada yeah, yeah. chicken enchilada with uh with um what do we do monterey jack cheese something like yeah, that some kind of cheese yeah that. whatever yeah. it's fantastic yeah. no whatever cares, they had for sale no one cares about our food their food's better let's talk about their food <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> so um you know you two guys have just gotten started out here it's been maybe about a month two months this weekend was our fourth weekend open fourth weekend open it was one month um, you're just a, a wide spot on the side of the road. Um, you have a very interesting pit that we'll get into in just a moment. Um, other than what you're serving here, I, I, I do want to call out a couple of items before we go into some backstories. Um, one thing, until they till they get a better idea and, and change this, they're selling entire beef ribs for $20. So thank yep. you for that. Um, a couple of other places have done that early on in their, their lifetime, and that is a phenomenal deal because those are generally around, what, about a pound and a half or so? So at, at $20 a pound, which is kind of the low end for beef ribs these days, that's about a $30 beef rib you guys are selling for $20. Yeah, it's a wonderful value. Yeah, and these are the plate ribs. These are the full plate ribs. Yep. These are not the chuck ribs. So, um, And they're great on top of that. We have we have a small advantage in the fact right now, hopefully we can continue that deal too in the future when we look to expand. But And we right don't now. expect it forever, yeah, but yeah. that's one of the things no. we tell people. Get but out we, here and get it. Yeah, get out here. We, yeah. we want to cook a good beef rib for you, and you know we've got very little overhead, and uh, we want to serve people good food that they're going to come back to to enjoy again. Exactly. A lot of people don't want to go 
spend a whole bu- or can't spend a whole bunch of money, so we want to give them the chance to buy something they can't usually buy. Yeah, and it's it's great because and, and to your point, I mean Magnolia, uh, you know we're not too far away from a, a couple of other barbecue joints, but beef ribs are not that big out in this this part of the state. No. So it's a new thing. And and um, have you had any people comment about that? Has that been a surprise to them when they've ordered it? Um, you know, they they get that first one that they've ever had, and they're like, "Holy cow! How you know, this yeah, is a big item." Yeah, what what y'all get this from? Is this like part of a dinosaur or what? <laughs> yeah, we've had a few people, first time buyers. Um, twenty dollars, you know, I've seen it for for twenty four dollars a pound, or you know, uh, twenty two dollars, nineteen dollars a pound, or some people go market price. That's okay, um, but we're we're offering a flat rate. You know, we're we're trying to get something that is you see it all over social media uh people you know oh it's a dinosaur rib you know it's a beef rib come on it comes from a cow right uh, but it is it's one of those social media things that you yeah know, people yeah. post and, it, and they just do they photograph really well that it really stands out and again at that price point that you guys are at right now it affords people to be able to buy the beef rib and other items on the menu without breaking the bank and so it's really nice. You know, a lot of times Brian and I eat barbecue all the time. We don't order a whole lot of beef ribs just because number one, they're so filling, and number two, when you order one, that brings your bill to yeah, if we're thirty, two or three places in one day. We, sure. There's no way we can do it. Yeah. But this at this price point, it it allows you to be able to order the other meats, this you know the sides, the dessert. It's you know it really lets you still have that menu experience, which is really good. So you guys have obviously. You know, Reveille is a new business, but you guys are not new to the barbecue world. You've been cooking for a long time. Um, let's get into a little bit about how you guys got started in barbecue and, and how you guys met up and eventually joined forces to to create Reveille. So, um, James, we can start with you or you want to start with Michael? Yeah, go ahead, um, Michael. Ooh. I've always enjoyed just gr- grilling. Started with grilling. Uh, even one of the things I was talking about the other day was even when I was in Iraq, we found a way to make... A little pit so we could grill meat in Iraq. Now, they said it's beef. I don't know if it's beef. I didn't see where it came from, but it is what it is. We sat there. We grilled up beef. I've always loved just cooking meat and for other people. Some of, some of the best meat I ever saw was at a butcher shop in Dubai. Actually, oh, really? yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Muslims obviously eat beef, so it's there is some really good beef out there. Um, what were you? Like, what kind of pit? You you talking about? Were you just making something on the side of the road, or yeah, an old bomb? <laughs> so we were in a we were in Al Kut in Iraq, uh, stationed there for about a month. Uh, this I, I was there for the initial invasion in two thousand three. I was there for in Al Kut for about a month, and we took a couple of cinder blocks, put them on the side, and then we took I'm not going to say what type of metal it was, but we took a piece of metal, put it over the top of that, and that's what we were using for a grill. Almost like a hog pit or something. Yeah, it's like yeah. kind of direct direct heat. Yes, sir, direct heat. And uh, did you? What were you using for coals? I'm not sure what type of wood it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it got hot enough and it cooked the meat. Was it so good go, though? Yeah. And I didn't even see the leaves of it. Uh, oh yeah, it, as good as you can get in the desert. It's a lot better than an MRE. I tell oh, you that bet, much. Man. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we should brisket. point out Reveille is another veteran-owned business. Yes. So. We've had many veteran-owned businesses on the shows. And then we went from there. I would I would cook steaks while in the Marine Corps, stuff like that, and then small stuff. Then I uh, joined the fire department, uh, Houston Fire Department in 2005. And one of the captains there, he would start cooking a brisket one day. I was like, hmm. I wanted to see what he was doing. And he taught me a lot that day. I was like, man, I had no idea. He goes, go ahead and cut it. I go, how do you cut this thing? So he taught me the old way where you slice a point off the flat and cut it up separately from the flat and 
the, the like point me, was chopped beef and the flat was what you ate yes, probably. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. it was it was okay. It was mm-hmm. nothing spectacular. I was like, man, I I love doing that day. Just the smell of everything alone brought me into it. I was like, man, I wanted to do more of this. So I was like a couple of weeks later, I was like, let's do some ribs. So unexperienced, I threw a whole bunch of wood on there. It was still that nasty smoke, dirty smoke, threw the ribs on there. It's like, oh man, this is gonna turn out great. Went to go take a bite of it and it tastes like an ashtray. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> So, I wanted to perfect it. I, I, I like, I'd hate to say I, I like to serve people, but I like to serve people. I like to see people's smiles on people's faces, stuff like that. So, I wanted to bring, I wanted to get it better. So, while in the fire department, I started cooking more and more, started cooking more briskets, started doing more ribs and stuff like that. And then, I went to the Station 69, I started cooking for them. And they're like, oh man, this is really good barbecue. Like, cook for us again. Cook for us again. So, that's how I got about it. And then, uh. About two years ago, I did a uh, actually event up here for the CrossFit uh, a birthday party, and they were like, "Man, this is outstanding. When are you going to open your own? You need to open your own place." I was like, "Man, I can't do that." So, about that time, me and James were hanging out. We started talking. Hey, man, let's. So we started doing th- events together, stuff like that. Well, it was probably longer than two years ago, huh? When we started doing events together, I believe our first cookoff would have been four years ago. Yeah, we started doing things which, together. Which just, cookoff was that? Um, it was at the Ashford pub and it would have been for, um, it was for, it was for children. Uh, it, it was a charitable cause, but it was our first, it was not anything, you know, uh, huge, but our first community cook-off where we were going against pros, you know, these guys had offsets. We're using, uh, Weber Smoky Mountain vertical upper, you know, those, those are very popular. Yeah. Oh man, those are the best, yeah. you know, at the, at the house. Um, but we, yeah, probably about four years ago and we've, we placed. Um, what was what was that like? That first competition because it didn't sound like you had a lot of experience, you know, research into what it was we, like. You know? It was definitely a learning curve. I mean, we both cooked before stuff like that, but never competitively. So we thought we were putting out a good product. I mean, it turned out good, but we just we weren't. We didn't know what to expect with the cook off. Yeah, we've kind of been there before too with cookoffs. Or we, yeah, we had we didn't come from that world of competition cooking. So the first time you do it, it's kind of like, well, I think this is good, but what what our version of good is and what a judge's version of good is may or may not be yep. the same thing. Yeah. And you know, we talked about that before in the show about cooking to other people's tastes, <coughs> which is it sounds easier than it really is because you never know. Judge A doesn't like salt. Judge B doesn't like pepper. Judge C doesn't like that. And so, it's, and you never know who's judging if, uh, right. if they're experienced yeah. or if they're, you know, somebody like uh, out of the crowd that day. Yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah if you're not a KCBS crowd. judge, if yeah. it's not KCBS sanctioned, then they're literally pulling people out of the yeah. crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we we have that one story that um, Greg, it was Greg that told us that, right? I, I believe so. It was yeah. Greg Mueller with yeah. uh, World Casing Court told us. Uh, was it they, they bust in a bunch of people from an old folks home to judge this thing <laughs> and you know they had sodium restrictions and oh. this and that and so you try to cook to their palate i mean it's it the competition world is sounds like everybody lost in that you know yeah if, it's, if, it, if that's a scenario it's kind of an upside down list yeah. probably at the end of the day yeah Definitely. And, and that's you know that's the one thing that's interesting it, it look we we've talked about it. we're not going to disparage competition cooking because there's an immense amount of skill that's required sure. to win Right and consistency, but it it is a different product than than what you would want to serve the general public. Yep. So it, it's something different. Um, how did you get from that competition to the next the next step? We still did a few competition, but I realized you 
to me, you don't get to see the people's like faces when they go take a bite of your own. You know they're biting in your own food. I mean, yeah, they can come up there, sample a little bit, whatnot, but they're not eating a whole plate of your food. Uh, and I think going back to the fire department, that's one of the biggest deals was I would make a big old, let's say, brisket and some ribs and whatnot for them. And I would have a whole spread there for them. I get to sit back after I'm done, kind of take it back, lean up against the wall, relax, and watch them eat my food. And when they sit there, you can sit there and watch them eat your food and see how their reaction is. Is it positive? Is it negative? Even though they might at the end of the day, oh, man, this, this that's the best barbecue in the world. But you can see in their face a little bit of depo- disappointment or what's going on. That's I like to see that direct impact on them. What, what influences did you have? from barbecue it sounded like you didn't have a lot of outside influences as far as what barbecue should taste like um you know so what what influences did you have and what was that first bite that you had of barbecue that was like oh wow this is what it should taste like or was it just your own i mean that's that, which is which is fine as well have you have you been on any any trips to barbecue joints in and around and just said oh yeah yeah I'm, this is what it should be back in the day tomball barbecue was really good uh paul and june you so and i remember growing up and going in there it used to be a little hole in the wall place uh the middle of the dining room was actually open to the earth uh they had plants growing in there and they finally covered that up uh rib tickler was pretty good back in the days uh small little place i remember growing up with that food and i've always liked barbecue never thought about cooking it myself uh if I would go back to a certain time, I would, I just like, a ch- I think it's more of a challenge. I like a challenge. And that's when I sat there and watched that guy make a uh, brisket and it turned out pretty good. To me, it turned into a challenge. Can I make something as good as that or better than I've ever made? And each time I make it, I want to make something better. It's, it becomes a challenge. I'm a very competitive person. Uh, and how do you hit that mark every time? Yeah. Like once you've hit it that first time, you're like, okay, now how do I recreate this? <laughs> yeah, what, did I, do, what, what did I do? Yeah, 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 yeah. What did yeah, I do to yeah. get there? What yeah. did I do right that first time? And how can I do it again? Or what did I do wrong that last time? And how can I fix it this time? Can a minimum, can I be consecutive about it? Right. And, and that's, that's you know, for everyone we've talked to in the barbecue world, that is the most difficult thing is, is once you've got it down to where you think it needs to be, how you keep getting it in that, you know, in that same pocket. And, and you talked before about, you know, about the, the, the satisfaction and the gratification of serving people and seeing that expression. And it's actually one of the things that we hear almost, um, I won't say every time, but it's one of the most frequent things we hear about people serving in the, in the barbecue world and the food service world in general is, um, is, that, is that hospitality, is seeing that, you know, you know, that first experience people have with your food. And, you, you know, and one of the cool things, especially about barbecue and especially about barbecue in Texas is you get that opportunity you never know you get a little six-year-old at your barbecue place it may be the, you may be their first barbecue experience and that's a really cool thing and i'm sure that as Revly grows and expands that's going to be that's going to be a great thing for both of you guys to to kind of see is is giving people that first experience of they may have been eating you know older school barbecue choppy sandwiches and you may be giving their first beef rib or their first you know really amazing bite of you know you know end cut moist brisket and and so one of the things that's always stuck with me um, way back when I was not an old fat bastard, when I was uh, oh come on now, brother, <laughs> when I was in culinary school, one of, one of my favorite chefs that taught me, I, I remember asking them one day, you know, what what made you want to be a chef, and I expected some crazy answer of you know Julia Child or this or that, and and their answer was I had this overwhelming need to serve people. You know, yeah. and and, yeah. and, and, and that really it, it, it ties really, in with the military and the firefighting yeah, absolutely. as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I know obviously the military and first responders is on a completely different level of serving people than 
giving someone a plate of food. But it's that same concept of being able to serve the community in a way to where you're, you're providing a service to them, whether that's nourishment, whether that's enjoyment of a meal, um, whether that's flat saving their life, which you do as a firefighter. So it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's an admirable profession no matter what. So, Mike, uh, you know, you guys were trying to get a little bit at the end of the competition circuit. You're trying to get out of that a little bit. But something kind of triggered that switch out of that. And, James, that was on, on your side, I believe, right? Well, uh, so what had happened, we were doing, you know, local cook-offs, and uh, we were doing local cook-offs and stuff like that and having fun with that. Um, I was I was having fun in the oil and gas then. I'd gotten laid off shortly, uh, February 2016, it happened. And then I called a friend and said, you know, I, I didn't want to work for uh, the, the man anymore, and I went and did cattle. I did cattle. I got to learn the anatomy of a cow, the cow, uh, what happens and, on and ranch. doing cattle, you were selling, buying, and selling cattle? Yeah, yeah, I was cattle? buying and yeah. selling, going to auction, um, having fun with that. Uh, the, it's a very lucrative business, especially, you know, when you're talking, you know, cash. It's it's lucrative. Um, anywhere from Black Angus to Brahmin uh, to, uh, you know, Scottish. You know, we did everything, Red Angus too. But... I had started building a cater trailer on the ranch that I was that I was working. I had started building a cater trailer. Um, and the idea was to get into catering barbecue. Yeah, as catering a, as barbecue. A business. Yes, as a business. All that time, uh, you know, doing the previous competition. Uh, I say competition, but cook-offs with with Michael um, primarily uh, in the Houston area. So about what time when you were you're working in the cattle industry? Um, you're you're getting ready to build this trailer and and hopefully launch your own sort of catering that was the retail goal. business was, yeah. was the was the driving force. Um, how did the how did the pit room opportunity came up because that was your first commercial barbecue experience was it not? Yes. It, so what had happened? My wife was. It was probably eleven a.m. in the morning on maybe a Friday, and my wife I was maybe complaining about something I don't know and she was like well. Why don't you do something you love? You know, I do. I do love cattle. I, I had fun with that, but she was like, "Why don't you go barbecue like full time?" And my whole thing—it was a pride stigma. I didn't want to take a pay cut. I was making money in cattle. I was essentially able to go from oil and gas and go straight into cattle and make the same amount of money. Okay, and when it came time to well. Do I really, you know, the whole cater trailer thing was, it wouldn't have passed inspection. There was a whole lot of ifs and, you know, like, you were, well, And you were building that yourself. I was building it myself, man, and literally cutting sheet metal, you know, lining the insides. I've got great pictures of it. So, it didn't work out that way. And she uh, she pushed me. She's like, well, why don't you do something you love? And uh, I was on Instagram, and I was scrolling down, you know, blah, blah. And I saw an advertisement, you know, for the pit room, now hiring. I was like, huh, 15 minutes earlier, she had said, you know, go do something you love. And I was like, you know what, I'll do it. I called the number on there, and it was Michael Sandbrook's number. Um, and I, I called and went and interviewed, I think, the following Monday or Tuesday. And it was, it was good, but it was a humbling experience because I knew that I was not going to make the money I was making. And I was going to have to start off at the bottom. And I've got a family. You know, i got to provide. So I said, I'll do it. I'll, I'll bite the bullet. You know, i gotta, I got to do something. If I'm going to try to do my passion full time, I'll do it. So 
I did. It's that leap of faith or, or the leap that we've talked about a lot of times that, yeah. you know, for better or worse, you've got to make that yeah, that well, jump. I, I don't think in the history of barbecue there's been someone that says I'm getting into it for the money. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, no. you know, that's not, you don't do this profession for the fame and fortune that comes along with it. Or if you are, you're going to be in severely disappointed. So, I mean, if you get into this, you do it for the love and the passion yep. and the, you know, the, the motivation you have to, to, create great barbecue so so you, you went down there you got the interview and, and you decided i'm gonna make this leap so so started running the two 500 gallon pits uh franklin style and we had um a sausage smoker so i you know i did sausage stuffed it i did um i, I trimmed meat um I, you learned sausage there yes you, you'd never yep. made sausage before. never in my life first time? No. Yeah. and no. for listeners that aren't aware about the pit room uh, the pit room is one of the you know in, they're in the minority of houston barbecue in terms of from day one they've made their own sausage um which is just not a very common thing in popular houston barbecue right now um it is is craft sausage i mean there's good barbecue in houston in, in the houston market and good sausage but um but a lot of it is sourced out by their purveyors or different providers but pit room has made it from day one and, and you got involved in that very early on yes we had a pretty extensive program michael and bram they're really good i mean bram coming from a uh italian background and you know obviously now being the pit master at loro and michael being uh he he was in barbecue for a long time. I won't even mention their names. So that worked out. Um, I ran two 500-gallon pits, the sausage maker, for about nine months. After that, uh, I pretty much requested. Uh, I was getting sick of night shift. Like, it screwed up my sleeping schedule. It screwed up, you know, I couldn't go to baseball games with my kids, you know. So I got on the morning shift. Started pulling briskets, pulling beef ribs, um, cooking pork ribs, and, you know, everything that entails a natural lunch service for a barbecue joint. What was it like pulling pulling the meat it was, know, in that volume? It was nerve-wracking because, so, I don't want to get involved in, you know, I, I don't want to mention politics, but, you know, there are people, you know, like, it was nerve-wracking because I, I couldn't screw up. I didn't want to screw up. I wanted to put out the most consistent product that i could and in the time that i could so it was tough it was nerve-wracking but i got it down and you learned by touch or by i learned no all by fingers all by fingers i learned all the techniques by fingers and you know yeah learning by you know without having just an actual and a roadmap of exactly when okay at such and such hours this is done at such and such temperature yeah there is is no People want to know, you know, at exactly what temperature do I pull my brisket? There is, and there no, is no static. Yeah, there, there, there is no static number. There's nothing is solid in barbecue. You can have you two briskets at exactly 205 degrees, at, and they're and both they're not 10 ready. pounds when you put them on. They have what you see is the the most, you know, the marbling is very similar, and they'll come off an hour apart. And it's the only the way to do that is by is by feel. Yeah. And and pick, and again, when you say it by up, feel, with your fingers. Let, let, yeah. Let me let me and you're uh, get explain that to people. I want you to explain it, right? Yeah. It's, sure. It's, it's you're literally taking your finger and touching it, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, you're absolutely. Not, yeah. You're you not, put on uh, your glove. You, you put on your glove. You know, and you you feel the meat. You feel where it's at. You get to know the product that you're putting out. It's a. I don't want to sound weird, but it's a personal relationship that you have with the product that you're putting out to the general public because. 
if you're going to eat it, you damn well better make sure that the people you're going to serve are going to like it. You want to make sure that you're putting out the best product you can. And that's where I learned that from. And from the pit room, I had gotten, you know, I don't, I, I honestly, that that's a, I don't know what had happened. I just, you know, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I could go for a change and I did. And that's when I saw on, and you know, the success of social media in, in advertising, marketing, blah, 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 is a staple point in my story because I found Tejas on social media. And I had heard about them before, but it was one picture that had triggered me, and I was like, yeah, you know. So I think well, I... Tell us about that picture. It was, it was a sold-out picture. And... Uh, something about chocolate being in the title on Instagram drew me to it, and uh, I said, you know, well, what is this? And this this was after the top 50. So top 50 had gone down. The pit room was placed in, uh, obviously, the top 50, not the top 10. And when I found Tejas, again, it was on Instagram, I was like, man, just something about it. So I went there with my wife, and we, we got truffles, and, you know, we, we got the whole thing, and... And oh the souffle. gosh, souffle was amazing. <laughs> and yeah. the souffle. Yeah, souffle is uh, definitely one of the premier products that they have, that we have. Um, I went there and spoke with Scott and, you know, started working with him. And now, the whole time while I was at Pit Room and even at Tejas, he's like, hey, man, you know, we're still talking in the background, you know. Maybe we can start up something. Maybe we can go into business. Maybe we can do something. He lives in the Heights. He lives. And, in the, and when you're, you're now, you're talking about Mike again. Yes, yeah, yeah, Michael, yeah. And he's he lives in the Heights. We had talked about doing something. You know, we've got various people in the Heights. We all know who they are. Great people. And um, this came up, and he was like, "Hey, come out!" I think this was November of 2017. Yeah. He was like, "Hey, man, come out here. I want to show you something." I came out over here to Reveille and. He said, what do you think? Could we put barbecue here? I was and like, when you said, come out here, just again, to remind everybody, out, out in Magnolia. Yeah, out in Magnolia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're out here up 1774. 37421 FM 1774 in Magnolia, Texas, uh, zip code 77355. <laughs> Open back. Saturdays and Sundays starting at 11 a.m. Welcome yep. back to the podcast, Mike. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, we figured that we could do it, and we did, and then we went and met... Uh, old nathan over here and, you know, let, let's introduce this gentleman because uh yeah he's not on record yet so yeah. uh so so stumbling in here i mean uh not stumbling in because he didn't even start very drinking special until he got visitor here. um yeah nathan peer from evie mays uh came in here today it's nice to be on air with you guys again and uh it's good to good to see the Revely guys again as well very cool to have you here yeah so uh so so yes i as, as this business started to become a reality for for james and mike we had a, uh, you have to get a pit. You know, yep. you're going to start a business, you better have a commercial pit that you can cook with day in, day out. So uh, We had looked at we, we had looked at many options. We, we, we thought about doing maybe a local fabricator that could do something. And uh, it didn't. What was your, it, so what was your idea of a kind of pit that you needed? So cooking at, cooking at pit room, obviously. You were cooking on an offset pit, you yep, mentioned Franklin it, kind of style. Franklin style. Yep. Um, at Tejas, you know, originally they had they had Black October, but then they got their Moberg pit. Yep. Um, so what what kind of pit did you have in mind, or at least what style? When okay, you l- l- let me start off on the back end of that question. We did not have in mind a reverse flow. Okay. 
And this is where this is where it works out to the better. I don't for think us. anybody has in mind a reverse yeah. flow at the beginning. At the beginning, but <laughs> so cooking on an offset, normal offset, we were looking at you know, okay, that's what we'll do. We reached out to Sonny. Everybody knows he's got a pretty long waiting Sonny list. Sonny Moberg. Yep. And we could have we could have done that. It would have been a little bit further along, and we were like. It was not in our timeline for our business. So I hit up Arnis on Instagram. Arnis you know, Robbins. You know, social media is a blessing. Yep, Arnis Robbins, uh, Evie Mays. And I hit him up, and we are going back and forth for a few weeks, and we made a deal, and he, he made the pit, and yeah. We know pits are very specific. We know we could have got somebody around the area, whatever, build us this pit. Could have been good. It could not have been good. We, don't we wanted somebody we, in the industry. We know Evie somebody, Mays. Somebody that actually yep. cooks on it yep. and understands yeah. the flow and everything yep. else, yeah. We know Evie Mays makes a amazing product. And we know if he makes that amazing product on what he's building, he builds his own barbecue pits, man, maybe we can put some out. The picture, the picture, the, the perfect picture of Arnis at the Texas Monthly Festival, and I was there. <laughs> Of him right there with the Austin skyline in the background with that 1,000-gallon reverse flow. With the stack going to the sky. Stack yeah, yeah. was beautiful. So I kept sending him. I was like, dude, we can do that. Like, we should ask him if he'll build us one. You know, and at that time, he was... Nathan would probably know more than, more than me about, you know, him getting into officially building for people. But uh, it looked like on social media that they were trying to get into building for maybe commercial purposes and we're like dude that's awesome it looks great let's let's do it and uh yeah it, so so you hadn't cooked on an on a reverse flow no nathan, no, nathan have no. you have you cooked on a regular offset i have i have one at home so so you know a lot of people don't understand the differences between the two and as a very simple diagram if you can build it in your head a standard a standard offset pit has a firebox on one end has the exhaust on the opposite end. It's a very straight through, simple process. A reverse flow has the firebox and the exhaust on the same end, and then it's divided in half so that the smoke and the heat flows all the way to one end, comes over, flows all the way back to the other end, and then exits out right above the firebox usually. What are the benefits or what do you see? So Nathan, what are some of the, the benefits, at least from your experience, or, or why, why would somebody want a, a reverse flow? Why even go to the trouble of building something like that? Um, it, it is more trouble, and I, I think it's, it's worth noting to start out with that. It's, it's more trouble, it's more material, it's more time to build one. However, um, I, think the, I think the real winner there is that in, in an offset pit, and I mean especially thinking about the one I have at home, you know, it has hot spots and then it has really hot spots. You know, there's there's not necessarily a whole lot of real estate where you have kind of some of the cool zones where you can kind of shuffle things around and, and get things get things adjusted to where they need to be by by, you know, sticking them somewhere that's if not a little cooler, at least very even throughout the entire pit. Um and 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 really they're 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 just super even and the way that Arnis builds them where where he's he's having the stack not coming out of the main chamber itself but it kind of stands off from there a little bit yeah. and kind of 
kind of creates a, a zone where, where as the air kind of dams up before it goes out the stack, it's doing that in kind of an, an extra chamber that sits over the firebox instead of at the at the back end of the cook chamber. I kind of call that the muffler almost. It's it's, it's an exhaust box that's separate from yes. the smoke box. So you've got a firebox, a smoking area, and then kind of a collector before it exits out. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and then also uh, as as you kind of alluded to with the thousand, uh, his he he stacks them maybe just a touch more uh, stack volume than than you find in a lot of other pits and and what that really does is it it really increases the draw and gets really good airflow through there gives you that super bark you know no no concern about about having to worry about getting good bark in those pits because they're i mean they're just the airflow the airflow on it is on ours that we use is awesome and also one thing having racks that slide out on the bottom is super <laughs> beneficial to any pit master anybody anybody that wants to make Anyone a brisket doesn't have to reach elbow deep yeah, into a pit because yeah. trust me everybody everybody here has probably done that where you gotta you're reaching in and you gotta you're burning pull. you're burning your elbow as you're reaching in yep. so far deep yes. right yeah i've yeah. forgotten a couple of times already that these pulls out and i've already reached in there <laughs> and had burns on my arms like, yep. Dang it, i gotta just slid it out <laughs> i burned myself i was like oh yeah i can pull this out <laughs> And so, so the biggest benefit, I mean, for those that are kind of curious, because we love pit technology, pit technology, actually, is the word I was looking for. Pit nerds. Yes, pit nerds, if you will, and hence the name of our podcast. Um, What's it, the name of our podcast? It's Tales from the Pits. Oh, it's plural. Yes, because we like more than one pit. Oh, okay. Um, we like more than one style of pit, and we like more than one kind of pit yeah, builder. Yeah, people tend to get our podcast name wrong, and Tales from the Pit is about an orchestra, so uh, yeah. it's pits. Yeah, we like pits. So there's a giant, we'll, we'll talk about the beers and the whiskey that we're drinking. There's this giant can um, that it's, we'll talk about here in a this moment. This is from Pine House Pizza, Austin, it's, South Lamar. Is that hand-labeled? Hand yes. Electric jellyfish. Yeah. It's a crowler. Oh, is that a crowler? Oh, yeah, yeah. a crowler. <laughs> I will go on the record. I will go on the record. This is probably one of my top three IPAs made in the state. It is phenomenal, and it's the same product every time. So whenever my buddy who brought this last week, he goes to Austin every every week. He he, he bought thirty of these, thirty two ounces, thirty of them. It's a lot of liquid, or a lot of problems. Hi, I need another hobby. So <laughs> so yeah. So we, so the big the biggest difference is uh, on a possibly difference, I guess, if you will, is on a reverse flow. You're evening out the heat. I mean, if you think about just simple thermodynamics, which is probably not simple, but heat rises, comes out of the firebox. It's going to come up. It's going to come across. It's going to fall. It may come up again, and then it's going to it's going to concentrate again at the exhaust. So on a standard a standard pit, a standard offset pit, you might have a hot spot at the at the early part and a hot spot at the end. But what you're what you're telling us is that on a reverse flow, in particular of those of Arnis's design, it's just a more even cooking area across the entire top pit. to bottom and all the way across that's right excellent and and is there any um is there anything unusual or unique about cooking on a reverse flow I, i've heard a lot about people cooking on a standard offset they get on a reverse flow and 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 certainly james and mike can talk talk to us it about was that a learning minute. curve yeah what, what what is different about cooking on a reverse flow I think I think more so than than from one uh, from a con conventional offset to reverse flow. It's just pit to pit. You know, it you you go cook on you know this pit over here, and and there's really a learning curve there. And you cook at one that on another one that may look similar, but may has slight slight nuanced differences. And 
and every one of them is different. It's like there's so there's there's a small or a large learning curve involved in any pit, even among types. And and from you know from Sonny himself, he's told me, and I'm sure it's true across many. Even if you take the same thousand gallon uh, tank and you convert it to a pit, there's going to be a each one is going to be very. Yeah, they're yeah. Gonna so cook a little so bit tell us a little bit about like getting that that pit and and learning how to run that thing. Well, so there there was a lot of uh, so Nathan's right at every point in the pit is hot the, the the temperature is the same but the smoke because it's not coming in you know the the normal straight in from the firebox out the out the stack you're going to get a different you're going to get a different airflow so there's a bit of redundancy in having a baffle plate and this can be negative or positive to some people it's been a learning curve for us. It's been positive for us because we're confident in the product that we're putting out. We're confident in what, in what uh, Evie Maze is doing. We can't brag about them enough in their meat and their sides, but with what we're doing, you make desserts too. Oh no! <laughs> trust me, trust Nathan, me. We know. Nathan, Our Nathan listeners like know we've know. never talked Mallory, about Evie Mallory, Mallory hooked podcast. us up. We we annihilated y'all's desserts, oh. man. And they were great. Has the baking shop opened up? Just a short question. Uh, closer and closer all the time, but not quite there just yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. We know the feeling. Dude, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we won't name any barbecue restaurants that have been opening for a long time. No, no. There's there's enough of those out You guys there. can do it. <laughs> that's, that's off the James, you, you have possibly, you were possibly the first person that's ever cooked <laughs> on a Moberg and on an Arnest Robbins built pit, um, which, yes. is, which is kind of cool because those are two of the bigger names in the barbecue world as far as pit making these days um so you know obviously you know the craftsmanship is as close to perfection as you can get on both pit makers um what what would you say as far as your your monday through friday job right now or monday through thursday i'm not sure what your schedule is and then the weekend here is it is an adjustment period is it a different mindset you have to go through as no, you guys start the reveille process no i've gotten i've gotten used to it there at first because of what we were doing at first we were cooking at reveille only on maybe the weekend we would cook two briskets and experiment it was a learning curve we were i was trying to figure out so there's four quadrants of the pit right and each four of those quadrants you can have two or three more up to four more spaces that can become a quadrant basically when i'm saying quadrant i'm saying a variable what's the variable where's the smoke going to hit where's it going to come where's the heat coming from where's the best spot to to put your product at well it was a bit frustrating at first and i say that uh i say that honestly and it 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 was a good thing because i'll tell you what franklin style moberg they're great. They're very user friendly. They're awesome pits because they put out a good product, and putting out a good product is simply just up to the person making the product, the person in charge of smoking the meat, right? So, this was kind of the first pit that I had ever run that was kind of a conundrum to me. I was kind of confused. I was like, man, where? What am I doing here? You know, it, like it, it. From everything I've heard, it takes more skill to master. Yes, uh, I, sure. I, I would. I, I would agree with that 100 percent, and it took a little while to learn but i think now that we're into a roll of things we're trying to get our schedule right you know we're trying to it, we're cooking for saturday and sunday so we're out here thursday friday saturday and sunday and we're preparing those days so i think we've had an ample amount of time to figure it out and we're doing it and hopefully you know everybody will be involved and say you know hey 
we've watched them grow you know that they're putting out a good product you know we just want we we don't want we don't want any bullshit we don't want any lies we want people to to say that we're putting out a good product because we're putting out a good product we all know people that put out bad product you know there's plenty of them out there oh yes and you know not to say that you know some of those people aren't you know they're great people but we want to put out a product and we're out here seven days a week you know we're we're out here all the time you know breaking our back to try to achieve something that maybe i would have put you know right no there's something majorly to be said i mean both of you guys are working full-time jobs and doing this which is basically another full-time job yeah i mean and that's that's a commitment to what you guys are trying to build and what Reveille is you know going to become over these next mm-hmm. weeks months years hopefully um, and, and what we had today was a you know great representation of when you put that much into a product, what you get out of it. Um, you know the, the the spread that we had today was was really good. We had I think everything on the menu but the corn today, um, and it was it was a good menu top to bottom. Everything that we had, and you know we're excited to see what Revely is going to become over these next few weeks and months. Again, I know there's there's some plans in the works. Some you can talk about, some you can't, and we understand that. Um, what can you tell us about what the the future is hopefully going to hold for Reveille as far as the expansion, more hours? Hopefully, uh, hopefully this becomes something that we can get more often because we're greedy and fat. <laughs> our our ultimate goal is become a brick more. Uh, yes, we're working on a food trailer right now, but we're never going to move the food trailer. We want to hear this location. That way, when you want to go get Reveille barbecue, you know where you're going to. You're going three seven four two one FM seventeen seventy four, and we're going to be there. We're not going to be over hey we're gonna be follow us on instagram to know where we're gonna be this weekend we're gonna be this location now hopefully we turn out good enough product where down the road we can save up enough money and have a brick and mortar is our location same address we got two and a half acres here so we got plenty of room built out we'd like to be able to uh, we, we would like to be able to serve people not only world-class barbecue and by world-class i don't mean competition we're not in a competition with anybody you know we want to serve people high quality barbecue that they will come back to and at the same time offer them maybe an entertainment experience you know we've got we've got land two and a half acres yeah, we let's can kind offer... of talk about like like dreams right so, yeah um you know the barbecue theme park um that, that I always wanted to build. So there you so, go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we can do it. Yeah. So you know, I mean, kind of long-term plans, future visions. You know, brick and mortar, um, maybe live music. Are there any kind of meets or any kind of things that you would like to do if the opportunity arises? Right now, we're still working on food trailer. We're on a low budget, so we are adding a few things in there. But further down the road, we do want to start doing. It's our world. We can do. We can try to do whatever we want. We want to try like maybe. Maybe once a month, try to do like a whole animal, something like that. Just experiment, bring people in. Um, me Good being, work. me being a, a veteran, I wouldn't mind doing a event up here. Maybe once a month, bringing veterans up here. Hey, uh, such and such first uh, Thursday of the month, we're going to have a event up here. Let's come up here. We'll all hang out, veterans, uh, other people like uh, other veterans. That way, you can sit there, talk back and forth. We know each other. Uh, yeah, I mean, barbecue is very much that community experience, and so if there's ways to tie tie that into the communities you've been a part of, and and James that you've been a part of, you know, j- just to make that whole full full cycle experience for 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 everyone, you know, and I know that obviously you know we've we, we've kind of alluded to it. We have a very large spread of alcohol on the table, um, 
Yeah, and and I know that Michael, you are a big whiskey and bourbon aficionado, and James, you are huge into the craft beer world. You know, if you know, I know down the road, hopefully, and you're just huge. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I'm just a pig, but uh, (laughs) I have no self esteem now, Brian. Um, Hey, I love it. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. (laughs) I'm not a father. Hey, you son of a bitch. You know what I live by? I live by. Hey, if you set your standards low enough, you'll never be disappointed. That's my that's my life motto. (laughs) Same. We we always joked in like the fire department, military. You know somebody cares about you when they just tell worst jokes about you as possible. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's how I know Brian loves me. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we cut out about 90% of the dirty jokes in this podcast. Oh, we, By did. Accident. we did. We had we'll, to pause. We'll talk trash about you in front of your face, and then behind your back, we'll talk good about you. There you go. So we would like to, we would like to become, and I, I don't want to compare because there's no comparison, but style switch with what the switch dripping, you know. It's they're, a phenomenal concept, do, uh, we believe, and I'm using the word concept. You are using Yeah, no, it. no, and it, 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 phenomenal, I think, it is also short of they're doing something that's exceptional. It's amazing, and to, to do something like that where you can involve every part of your community that says, well, I want barbecue, well, I want this, I want that, I want that. You know, if, if we can be a premier destination, ultimately, for live music a great cocktail a great bourbon you know your family's playing on the playground over here while you know live music that'd be awesome so yeah, but yeah style switch is what yeah style switch you guys we, yeah, yeah, well, yeah what they've done is phenomenal and yeah the the switch in dripping springs looks like yeah. it's, it's going to be yeah top crazy. shelf rank of pit masters and and Man. the pit room at the, the Dripping Springs location yeah. is... I, I think we're going to start like a barbecue ridiculous. gambling society of like odds on the next pitmaster yeah. that's going to be hired by Styles. <laughs> yeah. We could probably yeah. get some good money yeah. off of that. So, But they, yeah, they've got an, an incredible roster of people. But And keep right. following along. So, At Reveille Barbecue, if you can't spell Reveille yeah. right, like we have misspelled it before, it's R-E-V-E-I-L-L-E-B-B-Q yeah. on Instagram. Um, you can find them there. You should be following them there. Um, Facebook, Facebook as well. Uh, RevelyBBQ.com, RevelyBBQ.com, uh, and absolutely, you guys need to be following along there. Obviously, you're following along to us. We'll Come out to Revely on yeah, Saturdays and Sundays. Saturdays and Sundays. Yep. At open 11 Sunday, which is a great thing because again, Houston doesn't have a tremendous number of places open on Sunday. Come out on a Sunday if you can't make it any other day. Yes, and and because we we like to give things away on this show, and Revely is kind enough to let us give a shirt away on the show. Yep, absolutely. But we're going to do a little different giveaway this time, guys. We are going to give away a shirt, but we're not going to do the usual I'm like Instagram contest and you comment shirt. and blah blah blah. Too sexy for my shirt. Oh my god. Too uh, sexy. Too it hurts. You are not sexy <laughs> and keep your shirt on. So back to reality. That's a great song, though. <laughs> we heard it last night on the way back from our pop-up. Ah, Sorry. Can you name the artist? You know First one I to mean? do it. Right said Fred. Oh, right, no. Oh, damn it. it. Right said Fred. Right said Fred. Um, I knew I went for a trivia. So when, when you're ready to do your little thing on the catwalk, come on down to Reveille Barbecue. And the first person that listens to the show comes to Reveille and orders food. You don't come to Reveille and ask for a shirt. Come to Reveille, order some food. The first person says, hey, I heard about you on Tales from the Pits. They're going to get a Reveille Barbecue t-shirt. Woohoo! So come on we down here. We have two styles. Absolutely. So. And, and Reveille will, uh, will give you a shirt um, after you've purchased your Free meal. Free shirt. So come on down. Um, they are at, what's that address again, Michael? <laughs> 37421 FM 1774, Magnolia, Texas, zip code 77355. All right. And that's Saturday, Sunday, starting at 11 a.m. They are serving beefers, brisket, pork, turkey, 
shishito peppers that are blistered mm. and pretty damn tasty. Yeah. Tex Lote, which is a Texas version of a Lote. They are also serving potato baracha salad, beans. baracha yep. beans. They've got sausage on the menu. They've got desserts on the menu. And don't forget about that dessert. And don't forget, yes, get the bread pudding. Do not skip the bread pudding. Do not skip anything on the menu. Get down here and eat it, and we will talk to you next time.